Welcome back to the Cockerball Podcast, the weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Fan, and joining me tonight is a man who's refusing to accept the result against Chelsea until he hears the outcome of Sue Gray's investigation. It's Ash. <laughs> Good evening, Tom. How you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. And alongside him tonight is a man whose dyslexia meant he thought Spurs wanted Lloris to resign. It's Jules. <laughs> How are we? How are we? <laughs> very well thank you very well I'm sorry for being mean to, to the two of you but we, we need to talk because you know I'd like to think we, we, we're sort of friends now it's kind of you two have met each other through me which is nice and we formulated this <laughs> podcast built on a mutual understanding and we celebrated that with a you know what what us boys call a, a holy matrimony of friendship which is just going down a boozer and obviously, faltering <laughs> fullback in the uh, in the heart of a uh, scummy, scummy Islington, because that's the home of the shitty Arsenal. Take you to a lovely good pub, pub Ash. Yeah, yeah, great pub. Yeah, very yeah. good shout, Jules. Yeah, uh, Ash, you know, well. did, did you you enjoyed yourself? I think I had a great time, mate. I had a great time. Was I watched the football and the rugby at the same time? Some Thai food. <laughs> Had the Thai food the second time on the way back. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. No, yeah, I've got a lovely, uh, lovely message from like your now wife. Um, she never texts me, which, you know, that that's normal. <laughs> I feel like you needed that reassurance. You normally text um, my fiance, my wife before, <laughs> before he got married. But she texts me just the one line. What have you done to my husband? Yeah, it's the whiskeys, mate. The beer was fine. The beer was fine. And then yeah. we had those two whiskeys and Buddy wasn't happy with me at all. You can handle the Moretti's as an Italian. Yeah. But as soon yeah. as you get on the yeah. Irish stuff. I, I don't oh. do this. I'm not a London boy. I don't do this as often. <laughs> I've got two options <laughs> for pubs and most of them, both of them are like food pubs. They're not like pub pubs. So yeah. this is all new to me. Well, big thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, was, it was a it was a late finish, and it was certainly a late finish for Stephen Bergvine. Am I right? That's the best. <laughs> thing yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Leicester. Come on, come on! I lost my mind. I didn't know how to react to a 95th equaliser followed by a 97th minute winner. Apart from because I was slouched on my sofa and because I'm incredibly rotund. I couldn't get up. <laughs> I didn't have it in me to, to, to like, you know, jump so, around the room and just raise my torso. So I just screamed. I just screamed. And it was bizarre. I did, I did something similar. Um, I was watching it with my brother who had come over for even for dinner and I properly screamed in his face and he's an yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal fan. Support. So he, I was going to say, so it's, it's deserved. Um, but the best thing was, he told me afterwards, he had seen it, uh, the notification on his phone and for like the two minutes prior, because we were on the stream, for like two minutes prior, he was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, Jules is going to be so happy now. And he just knew it was like the agony was coming. But probably probably the happiest I've been since Fen, when we were watching in our old flat, the uh, the 3-1 Swansea, when it was like yeah. 89, 92nd, yeah. 93rd minute, Christian Eriksen. Since then, that's probably my most enjoyable uh, comeback. And obviously Amsterdam. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we've all got similar <laughs> stories. But I was, <laughs> I was on my own. I was literally just sat, sat on my sofa, 
second goal went in and I was just like, you know what? At least we didn't lose. That's a good result. At least mm. we didn't lose. And then um the third went in and I literally just just jumped up out of my sofa. I don't even think if I don't even think I made a noise. I literally just jumped out <laughs> the sofa and just fist pumped in the air. <laughs> and then my wife came out of the bathroom late. I was like, Tottenham do all right, did they? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Did she have right. that sudden displacement of air when you were throwing <laughs> yeah. your fist for it? Do you not think as well that game that it also just it, it wasn't just lovely because we came back and won but I don't you know you have like, those like moments of like absolute hatred and fury in football mm. and in life and um, I feel like Soyuncu at that moment never has karma been been better than at that second do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah if you're gonna shove well if you're going to have a go at someone for being soft and a diver, then you can't then go down like a sack of shit when that diver <laughs> then just stands up and then pushes you over. Because that, that yeah, was perfect. To be fair, to be fair, it was a slightly stronger push than what sent Thiago Silva down, but we'll come back to that well, later. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's come on to that a bit later. But we'll, let's think about the game as a whole, because I think we'll fixate over that two-minute spell for a legendary clip forever and people keep saying it don't know that every now and then you get a new angle that you've not seen before and you see the goal in a different way so but you know I felt that about about Lucas's goal in Amsterdam in particular um but that was probably the best performance despite you know how we won the game the actual performance was probably the best we played on the contest yeah the thing is I was watching it and the more we didn't score, the more I was becoming frustrated. And the more I was becoming <laughs> frustrated, the angrier the, the notes I was taking down became. <laughs> like, I've got this completely out of context, just horrible shit I've been saying about our own players. Like, um, I just mentioned, I've noticed like how deceptively fast like Skip was. Like, we haven't seen him mm. making those attacking runs that often. And um, yeah, he just reminded me of a gazelle just leaping forward. But then I also followed it <laughs> up by writing that it's unfortunate that he plays next to Hoiberg, who runs like an emu with clubfoot, which seems really <laughs> harsh now. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Hoiberg might have arguably saved the game. We talk about heroics of Bergvine because he's the one who sticks it in the net. And to be honest, when Hoiberg was left on, now obviously Conte knows the, the physique and, and the, the fitness of these players better than us, so there's potentially he knew that Hoiberg could go to distance and maybe... I can't remember who he took off, maybe Winks or Skip, I can't one of the two. And I thought, oh, this game's crying out for La Chelsea, which was obviously stupid in hindsight. So I thought we need a <laughs> you know a better ball player here because we need to try and get a result. Yeah. But that that sort of goal line esque wasn't quite goal line, but that, that clearance at the other end and it was two one it was certainly goal save. two one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That 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 level of positioning you think Actually, I'm not convinced anyone else on the pitch. Often, maybe Skip was actually capable of doing that. Um, so yeah, we'll give him give him some credit. He's he's compatible and he works well, hard. He played that ball to that Doherty, chested that. I'll, I'll I'll be kind to Doherty mm. and say chested it down to Hoybier because let's be honest, he didn't have a fucking clue what he was going to do when he arrived in I the think, box. I think the ball he? hit him. <laughs> yeah, and I was convinced. Happened. I was convinced that I was going to get ruled out by for handball as well. Like I'm sure I watched the replay. Mm. Just watch the ball roll down his arms into the path of, of <laughs> Bergwijn, and I've seen seen goals uh, chalked off for less. But you know we got it. But 
And um, so, yeah, I was just just watching that game and we were we were by far the dominant team and absolutely deserved the win that the um the three five two was was much better and it's it's good because it it masks the flaws of our players and as great as they they were playing in that game with this quiet there's some obvious flaws and some of mm. our players have more flaws than a Burj Khalifa so you know that's <laughs> that's why we need to pack that center area but it, it just yeah I didn't I've obviously Conte is a far better football manager than I he knows his shit so I'm an idiot for thinking I'm allowed I can doubt him but I did, just didn't are. expect I am yeah I'm going to um I don't know who expected who can honestly sit there and say yeah I knew Wink Skip and Hoyberg could play that well together and if you did you're a fucking liar I don't know I kind of I, I have felt that way but I always thought it was never going to happen because it was always always seemed to be a case of Hoyberg and who with Conte and I always kind of wanted to, I really wanted to see, well, what about Skip Winks? Why, why, why can we, not as in skip him out, but skip and Winks. <laughs> and try that. But I think in some games in particular this season, you know, against Norwich, we, you know, they played against us with a, a 5-3-2 as it was for them. Uh, and just having an extra man in midfield kind of can overwhelm our two central midfielders sometimes. So, Okay, Conte's already said that it's not his preferred formation, but I think the uh, the five three two or what was what is more realistically a three five two uh, with the wingbacks um, is probably our, our best system in my opinion, based on the current crop of players because we haven't got two midfielders who can well Skip Skip can do it all. Like you talk about Burj Khalifa and the amount of flaws there, but Skip's a bungalow, isn't he? Like, no flaws. I he's coming around to do my plumbing later. I, I don't know what he can't do. Do you know what I mean? The geezer was just dusting people yeah. in ways I didn't know he could do. And that's also kind of what what I like about the three-man midfield is it, it frees players up, essentially. And I think Hoybio is a lot better for it because if he's just the, the sweeper, he just sits in front, in, in front of the box. Uh, whether or not we've got the ball or not is a bit irrelevant. He'll sit there and pivot. <laughs> And get played around, uh, which is not—it's not to anyone's advantage. Well, it's mainly, mainly to the opposition's advantage. But if you start freeing him up, he's a lot better box to box, and you see that when he plays for Denmark. Um, and obviously, Winks is so much more comf- confident on the ball now. And just by having three of them closer together, giving them more options between each other, allowing one of them to make that box to box run—I I, I like it. That—that's that, my preference. But I can't—he's not going to stick with it. No, I think the the biggest switch into the three midfield head was that because we were missing Dye and Romero, we didn't really have any defenders that were competent at progressing the ball forward. So <laughs> allowing allowing one of our midfielders to drop deeper in Winks, who's um, as much as we take the piss out of him, always passing sideways. He does usually pass sideways to a fairly high degree of of you know success. So. Having having that and then still having two other centre mid options available, um, I think it's showed dividends like we've we've seen so many mm. times this season, even before Conte, that we just we can't keep hold of the football like it's the plague to us. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's the wrong yeah. time to be talking about plagues. Yeah, it's got a picture moment, Ash. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it was just such an impact, and then um. Yeah, and just have the two at the front. I don't know why we don't use it more often. I can't say used it at Inter. And I know, I suppose you'd say that the 
the two up front being Lukaku and Lutaro uh, Martinez is quite different to having Kane and a winger fill in as a striker. And also he had proper centre mid, box to box centre mids in like in Barella and Ericsson in there as well. So it was a completely different system, which is why why he might not be comfortable with it at the moment and why he wants to have just two sitting midfielders and then sort of three out and out mobile mobile attackers. But hopefully we stick with a three five two because unless we're gonna to get two significantly improved midfielders, then I can't I can't see how the three four three is gonna help us in the long run, especially against teams that have some some capacity some capacity to keep the football. I think the only way the three four three with two centre mids works is if you go out and buy two exceptionally athletic all round centre mids from Europe who already aren't at a big club. And then you're looking at like well Frank Kessie and, <laughs> and and probably like Serge Milinkovic Savic. Yeah. The la- the latter of whom would cost you the best part of a hundred mil. So it feels like the system only works if, if Conte was at a club which had a hundred million a summer to just drop on players, maybe you can go after it. But I agree with Ash, otherwise I think a three five two is more sensible. We saw a bigger switch when we went to the Chelsea game and saw a four four two of sorts, didn't we? I mean, I, I don't even know if you can call that a four four two. If you play six defenders, are you allowed to claim it's a four four two? Six two two at best, maybe. Six two two when the two midfielders are holding midfielders. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise known as an eight and a two. <laughs> yeah. I didn't quite see it as a six. In fairness, I, I expected. It was weird seeing seeing these Mourinho tactics come back again, and at times they they they, they did try and start to work, but I didn't quite see it as a six. I always felt that one of the there was always a spare fullback basically. There was always yeah. was out of the four fullbacks who were on the pitch, they always seemed to allow one to you know occasionally go into Chelsea's half. Uh, but there's obviously I mentioned it earlier. Conte obviously knows the physique and fitness of his players far more than us. So it was definitely a, a formation out of necessity than, than design. Um, but what I, I think what I liked most about the performance, obviously, was not the formation, but there was a lot more desire, uh, a lot more aggression, a lot more creativity. I didn't do the pods um, where you did the cup final. Cup final? I wish. The semi-final, semifinal for the cup final mate. we didn't make. The semi-final legs. What bothered me the most and what bothers me the most in those sorts of situations is, is never the result. It's always the desire and the aptitude and the application. And we we actually lost, obviously we lost again. This is the fourth time we've lost to Chelsea. It's 8 on aggregate this season. But we did, that's the performance where we lost with the, the, the most grace, if you know what I mean. And but bearing in mind, we've seen semi-finals with like Jamie O'Hara and fucking veteran Shaw Lucas of this world at least put in an, uh, their maximum effort in a bid to get to the cup final. That's what bothered me about the semi-finals. But at least on Sunday, we, we saw a bit more aggression and, and desire. We also saw some shit housing. Um, yeah, you know, we need got, it. Well, we, we do need it, but it started to go both ways. I thought sometimes one of the <laughs> best things you can do with a team that, frankly, has just got a better squad than you is like lower the quality of the game and make it a bit aggy and a bit sort of, I don't know, annoying. And Doherty on Saar, like giving him that shove as he's <laughs> about to plant his ankle is such a nasty little brat move. 
but it properly wound them up. And then equally, Mount shoving Tanganga into the hoardings. It started to oh, get. Yeah, a bit that, of that, that edge. wasn't that wasn't cool, man. I don't like that sort of stuff. That's not cool. That was unnecessary, and it's probably helped by having the fucking worst referee in performance. I'm sorry, like I, I'm going <laughs> to be. I was wondering when we were going when we were going to do the referee. Oh, we triggered I can't. Him. Oh god, I'm <laughs> so angry. <laughs> I'm so angry at the at the free at the disallowed goal that I can't even remember what else happened in the game. Like the rest of it just completely <laughs> just left my mind. Like I just that's all I can think of. And this, I don't. Fen, shall we just get it over with? It's it's like sort of bursting a zit of fury. Like like Ash, you're just gonna have to have to go mm. on. What is it? Get it off know, your I, chest. It doesn't. Yeah, you've seen him given. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the problem is this is a audible format and i can't find the words so this is not this yeah, isn't how we're really going to struggle with the podcast thing. so um it's just not a fuck it's just a ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous call why don't why don't we just that, if it was the other way a, a just, things, Ash. so kane <laughs> is going into the box and as he the is. cross is coming in and he's creating space for himself he lightly places his hand in the back of Thiago Silva and as you know as players do in order to sort of give themselves room to operate and Thiago Silva makes the most of the contact in a pretty ridiculous way and goes down and they get it do you not think there's moments where Kane is perhaps guilty of making the most of contact on him equally couldn't give couldn't give less of a fuck. <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> Spoken like a true Spurs fan right there. It's, it's irrelevant, man. And like hearing hearing um, like the Sky Sports pundits and everyone saying, oh yeah, it's clever from Thiago. It's not clever. Fuck off, is it clever? It's really? cheating. It is clever. Let's call it, it what is it is. It's che- no, no. It, no, no if, if it was the other way around, nobody would be calling that, Kane clever lo- if it was the other way around. Hold on. If we're talking about that, then there's a lot of stuff that the Italian defence have done in the last decade, which I think yeah, we we're might not talking about. It. We're not talking about the Italians, right? We're talking about Thiago Silva <laughs> at Stamford Bridge <laughs> after <laughs> Harry Kane laid a nail on him, the fucking pansy. There was, there was. It's just not a foul. Like it's in football, you've got 11 men, well, 20 men running around the pitch. They're going to bump into each other at some point. If it's a push, then it's a foul. But that was a, just not a push. His arm is already outstretched before it, before his hand touches Thiago. And Thiago goes down so so theatrically. And I don't know, I guess that sort of highlights the issue with the uh, with the VR ruling at the moment, where it's got to be clear and obvious. Because it just doesn't work. Like, it, there's nothing... You can't be clear and obvious on such objective decisions. Even though it's just... The vast majority of people who aren't either Chelsea, Arsenal, West Ham, or idiots, although those things aren't mutually exclusive, <laughs> um, they're going to say that it's not a foul. So it's just th- th- there's got to be a change to VAR because th- the referee's got to be taking a second look at that and not in slow mo for fuck's sake. How did you find it, Fen? Well, um, yeah, obviously on the face of it, it's uh, it's light. It's um, I, I genuinely have seen it give. Well, I've seen it give now. Um, <laughs> I'm having a brain fart. I've lost my train. All right, Tierney. If Dyer does that down the other end, 
That's actually really, really good by Ash. Yeah. Where, where do you keep these? <laughs> I say, save them up on Friday. Jesus. Yeah. Right. If Dyer does that at the other end, does a Tiago Silva, and goes flying because Lukaku's tapped him on the shoulder, what are you saying? And it prevents a goal. Dyer saved as a goal because he's won a foul in inverted yeah, commas. It's no good asking me because I'm completely biased. Like it's, it shouldn't we shouldn't be having to make these decisions. The referee should just be acknowledging that that's a fucking terrible call, and the referee and standards should just be better. My, but my, what, I, what I want to say is that if it happened in the other box, if Lukaku touches Dyer and Dyer goes down that easy, I'm not convinced Tierney makes the same call. Well, I would, and the reason I would agree with that because Lukaku is like the most heavy-handed striker to play against ever. Like if you're the centre back, because Lukaku chases his touch around that area of the pitch, <laughs> he ends up barreling. <laughs> like, like by that logic of that much force, I'm allowed to go over. Dyer could spend the entire game just falling over, but he's not going to do it. I think it's one of those. It's really annoying. It's it's quite shit. It was, it's just one of those ones that's gone against us and there'll be other games where we'll get a bit lucky and I'm mm. okay with the swings and roundabouts of football. I don't think whether or not we get fourth is going to be determined by Chelsea and this game. Well, we, yeah, that's exactly, when was the last time we won there? Well, like, well, recently, but that was the first time in, yeah, it's like one in 38 or something ridiculous. But Ch- I saw... Ch- Chelsea, as I've always said, Chelsea, Liverpool, City... If you just accept those six games, in reality, you probably shouldn't win. Then it's what you do out of the mm. other 32 games. And for me, I don't. I, I'm. It's not the end of the world. I think it's annoying. Yep. Move on from it. We battled well. Let's let's keep the positive vibes going. Like we just beat Leicester. That's a much bigger result. Yeah. You never expect to beat your the people who you think you're going to finish below at their gaff. Yeah. Based on where we are at the moment, obviously, if we sort our act together and Conte doesn't get too fucked off about everything and then just leaves and leaves us leaves us back with someone terrible again. Does Conte not feel like you're dating someone way out of your league and you're just waiting for them to like realise it or lose their temper on a night out? Yeah. Oh, I, managed that, that vibe? I, I managed to marry her though, so I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, my friend's living with her, so it gets even better. <laughs> Wait, who am I living with? Not my wife. <laughs> oh, right. I was just saying I was living with his wife. No wonder she texts me. Oh. Right. While you're at it, put the bins this, out. Let's keep, this, <laughs> let's keep this trade moving. Let's keep this trade moving. I think no, I, positive vibes. I agree swallow, with you, swallow that pain. You know, the important thing was Leicester. We we go again. We're trying to be the fourth best team in the country at the moment. That's our realistic aim this season. So the three teams above us, you're not going to go to their gaff and get points. And ultimately, on the balance of it, they deserve to win. You've you got to give them credit. Like I do fucking love Ziyech. All right, I'm a fanboy. Oh. That's it. I think he's... I, I like him. I Probably when he was sold by Ajax was when I wanted him to replace Lamella. He was my long-term Lamella replacement, in my opinion. I High do price. think he's a good player. And Chelsea... Probably isn't the best club for him to, to show that. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, a lot, a lot of Tottenham fans are probably moaning about how much space he had on the edge of that box, but fuck me, what a finish. 
he's so good oh yeah he's that's unreal it's just it, it starts off so far outside the post and it goes like right in that postage stamp like right in that top corner it's yeah phenomenal strike and it's sometimes you show if i was if i wasn't so angry because of what proceeded in the first half i probably would have just sat back and gone yeah that's class <laughs> but in my head i was thinking that's on that's on you tina you prick yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't know what Do happened I- at half time though i want to know what tushel's putting in their tea because I want some at the weekend, and it's going to be great. Because they, they seem to come out of different gear. I don't know. That that goal must have given them a, a right shock. That well, actually, although you've been all right first half, they're very capably uh, able to, to get something here, and are very much in the game. And obviously, to score least. that early goal just set us back. I never, never at any point in that second half, the contemplators stealing a win at any no. point. And that that's why, like. You talk about irrelevant parts of the Kane situation. I think it's irrelevant because I don't think it would have had an effect on the result, in all honesty. Uh, they they did deserve to win. It's so hard to play these better offs of clubs with their unlimited resources. and I don't, I don't like it, uh, but unfortunately that, that's what we're up against and we're going to have to find our own way um, of trying to build something again, which which hopefully we can do. Do you, do you not think it's a different argument, perhaps? But in terms of the game itself, but come on, we just got to accept that and and try and win the games that we should be trying to realistically win. I think as well that their midfield for Chelsea, I, I thought their midfield was just so good. Like it's funny, their strikers are actually quite shit. <laughs> they don't get nearly as much out of them as they should. But like that midfield had a bit of everything which we've talked about. Tottenham's midfield lacking. Like, you have the pure perseverance, like, in terms of off the ball and running and and sort of smart intelligence of Mount. You've got the pure class of Ziyech and that absolute wand of a left foot. You've got Kovacic, who goes box to box, and he's such a gifted all-round centre mid. And then Jorginho, we all, how many times, Ash, do you talk about the fact that we, we just can't pass the ball and we don't want the ball? The reason that Chelsea team keeps it is because of that man just always being happy to receive the ball. And it's that it felt for me like when that's their midfield and we're lining up with two fullbacks, a homegrown lad and the slowest centre mid in Premier League history. Like it, it, it doesn't feel surprising that that's where we ended up. Fed mentioned there, what do we what do we do about Conte and the fact he wants so many players and how to stop him combusting? Um, he's made it so clear that he wants signings. He even said you don't even have to sign the best player, just sign someone. Like, he's so <laughs> well, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> agree so... with that because they will just give you Clinton and Jai again. And <laughs> bring him back. But he, he won't want that. But, he, but you can just see with Conte, he's reaching, not boiling point, but sort of like temperatures are rising. Temperatures are rising for that man. We're getting yeah, close to the end of the month with nothing. Rightfully show it, yeah. We shall see. It's going to be a busy week. Obviously, we talked about how difficult a window it can be. Like people go, oh, it's not a difficult window. Signings happens. Obviously, signings happens in the January window. We, we we see that quite a lot, very often at other clubs. But it is harder to get those deals. It's harder to convince those players to go in the middle of a season. And obviously, if clubs are going to be losing their better players, you're going to have to pay a premium for it, which... Um, Funny enough, our ownership have quite often been loath to do. So it's going to have to be a, a magical week. Paratici, with his slow cookbook, is going to have to 
bring something out of the pot here. Um, probably a Dharmatrio, I have no doubt. But then there's you know stories today about it needs to be three or four signings. But it's the, it's the international break. <laughs> and all the, all the, think of all the players we want to sign are probably internationals. So they're, they're not going to be they're going to be around for the medicals almost to some degree. And it, international times it had never been a good time to to sign a player, and we've left it to to this week. Yeah, but it's, I don't think it's that big a deal. Like, there's medical teams all over the place, and as long as they do their check their basic organs and stuff and make sure everything's working <laughs> fine, I, I don't think them being away is an issue in terms of like medicals and that side of thing. It's more about, um, yeah, players don't really necessarily always want to move mid-season themselves either. Like we've seen it, like all the all the music coming out from like Vlahovic and and Kessie, they're both pretty much the agents saying that they want to stay where they are until the end of the season. Um, usually because obviously they've got, they've, they've made the commitment to the clubs they were at, which is not a really strong commitment in today's game, but also because it's just a strong position to be in in the summer because you're going to have more clubs interested um, in, in making purchases. There's a bit more of a bidding war so you can drive your wage up and your sign on fee and, and all that stuff. Um, I, I don't think people, the, the thing that's slightly annoying me is that people are looking at the work at like Aston Villa and saying, oh, why, why don't we buy players? But they're buying players that are not what we're looking for. So like we're not looking for cast-offs. We're not looking for players like that, 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 that the big clubs that don't, they don't want to be there anymore or anything like that. We're just, we've been working in a completely different market. So, and I know, and Conte is a smart man. I, he, he puts pressure on the board, but I don't think he walks out if we don't sign him. And I think he understands that the transfer window, the big transfer window is the summer one. So if we can bring in Trump, because I'd much rather have him in Arte than having to play against him twice a year. Um, I, I, I think that'll do. I think that'll do to the summer. And then that's the real test. That's well, the real what, quiz. What about his contract though? Do you reckon that that has an effect on how Conte will look at this? Because obviously come by the summer, he knows that technically... He's only contractually obliged to be here for the remaining season. So will he be that bothered about, like, what, you know, will he think, well, what's the point of me working overboard to, to bring in all these signings that I want if I'm not necessarily going to be here to, to enjoy them? Or do you reckon things will change? I've got a sad prediction, which I heard on, on another pod. Um, and it's this is this coming from the same great mind that said Turkey would reach the semi-final of uh, Europe. So, so don't worry, I'm, I'm coming from the from a place of strength. Um, Andy Brassel uh, made a guess that Spurs managed to finish fourth, and then in the Spursiest of moments, don't back Conte in the market. And in like late July or early August, he walks out. So we get Champions League, but then a managerless. And haven't signed many players as we head into the next season. Uh, Conte is is so able to just walk out if he thinks that he's not going to get what he wants, and he won't give a fuck. He, his reputation's been improved just by being at Tottenham already, and suddenly, you know, turning things around again. He's he's demonstrated already what a good coach he is, and he already has you know previous title wins. If we don't give him what he wants, he will walk. Yeah, but Tom mentioned like. Is he, does he give a fuck? Like this is a man who lives, breathes, and drinks football. Like his his whole his whole personality is football. Like it's just just how he is. So that he doesn't know how to be anything other than passionate about 
one football but two the club he's at at that moment so if he leaves like George said it would be because he doesn't feel like he's getting the support that he needs to to reach the targets that he sets himself but also upset him as well um so yeah it's don't worry about the January transfer window we knew this season's sort of a gimme after we the moment we signed Nuno we knew this season was just a, let's get through it <laughs> see what happens <laughs> next year don't get relegated <laughs> finish above Arsenal that was like literally yeah. it so it would make me happy. It'd be signing, having the same signing logic as what got us to Ndombele, but just not signing Ndombele. Like, like I was really happy that it was like spent big on a player with a high ceiling, peak years in front of him, who are the big European clubs are sniffing around. I'm like, great logic. It backfired twice, but that's that's it doesn't mean but, you abandon the logic. That's my that's yeah. my hope for the summer. That's my that's my somewhat. Um, unpopular opinion at the moment is that every signing we've made since Ndombele and including Ndombele have been made perfect sense at the time barring maybe mm. Roden like we won like we got we got Ndombele and La Chelsea who had a fantastic couple seasons and just seemed like perfectly what we needed we've been moaning about having needed to replace Dembele and and they seemed like the perfect place to do it at the time. We brought in one of England's brightest young talents in Cessignon and we went down into the championship and got one of their brightest young talents as well in Jack Clark, or at least we thought it was one of their brightest young talents. Might not have been the case. And then we saw the, the transfer window under Jose where we made, what, like seven signings and that included like Bale and Reguillon and it just seemed every single mm. signing made sense. Even Doherty, he'd come, I know Wolves fans might tell us different, but when, whenever we watched oh, it, like time, a yeah. proper good right back. So, Vinicius. Yeah, so I mean the hatred towards the, the recruitment um, I think is a bit harsh. Like football, it's such a gamble getting in the right player especially at this standard like there's just such a limited pool of players that are going to make Tottenham better do you not do you not think the problem with those signings though is that all of those signings were like sort of like money ball it's like value of player supposedly according to like transfer marks or like some data source like multiplied by like age of player and like length of contract and whatever suggests this will be a good signing but what was missing was any kind of coherence in how they're going to play and connect together on the pitch, because you don't sign though that group of. It was also it's also um, what is our them. long what's our long term structure like how how do we see Tottenham playing more or less in the future exactly. regardless of the manager exactly. that's the issue like it's all well and good trying to replace um, Dembele and Eriksson and then bringing in fucking Murderball. Um, and yeah. well, like right, the exactly. worst this... football we've ever seen. So, and that's, that was, and that's, that's the issue. Uh, but that's I what that's what the... something I've hoped we've 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 improved since bringing in Paratici. Like Nuno was supposed to be Conte light. Um, it turned out he was Conte shite. But we, you know, he was. <laughs> we tried, and we we've tried to build something going forward, which I hope we continue because um, it can only bring success and at the very least stability. But the, the signings weren't the issue. Like we've 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 identified and signed good players. We just need to do it sooner, and we need to make sure they're the players that actually fit a long-term goal, a long-term system. Yeah, I think it's 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 that particular last bit of having them fit a system together. Because I it was mad. I was, I was looking um, earlier today, and I saw that Lacelso and and Ndombele have only completed 90 minutes 16 times 
like in total between, between each of them yeah. between them in two and a half years and it's like if you look at what Conte will want from his centre mids he'll want athleticism and an ability to pay as part of a good coherent unit it's not necessarily about individual flair look at like Nemanja Matic or N'Golo Kante how they played under him it's the ability to to function and to do a job which allows the team to perform so we the next two centre mids are better to be I'd rather we buy John McGinn. Like, at least you know he's going to run and he'll do the job tactically and he's fit enough to last 90 minutes in the Prem. There's there's an element of what do you need the system on the pitch to be and then apply that filter as well to the to the signings because you're not just signing any fucker who makes sense according to an algorithm. You've also got to be like, well, how are these guys going to connect? And that's where I just like, give Conte... A bit of what he wants, please. Just, just, yeah, well, just and, prolong, just prolong well, this. Well, go on, Jules. Who, who do you think, or what positions maybe do you think that need to be strengthened now? What should we wait or could wait to the summer? Is this assuming we get out any of Tongi, the Celso, yeah. and Delhi? If you think they need to go, it's up to you, mate. Assume, I've won, I've, assuming we bring Tayo in. <laughs> well, but, assuming well, we bring. <laughs> in and assuming that we can move out whoever you think needs moving out I, I think if you could get out one of those three then I would bring in one centre mid and a Dharma Traore and I'd be happy with that I, I, I agree that you do your major surgery in the summer and there's a lot of reasons that January isn't ideal but I think going into the second half of the season when Conte clearly doesn't rate those three centre mids and saying essentially right Skip and Hoiberg is how you're going to get to Champions League and fourth seems to me a bit risky. I mean, you need one, you need one dominant centre mid who's going to go in there. But it's hard because the ones who I would go for, I don't think you can get right now. And there'll be a lot of movers and shakers in the summer, like Tielemans is running down his contract at Leicester. He's being linked with Arsenal. Like, you know, in, he's going to have one year left in the summer. If you if you've got Champions League, Hoybier. yeah. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> I was saying, if you if you Start get a great partnership. If you, if you get Champions League football at Spurs and you go to Leicester with 30 million quid for him, maybe you, you poach him. And he'd be an awesome sentiment. He's a brilliant player. Like, but he's not going to happen now. You're not going to get him. So I don't know who, but I would like one centimid and a Dama Traore. Well, this is the big give, isn't it? I think completely dependent on where we finish completely affects the summer we have. We, we will not have a good summer with as much investment if we, we don't qualify in the Champions League because we need that competition money to help pay for, for that transfer budget. So Levy, well, et al, for Atagi, but it's ultimately the board who are going to be, you know, putting the purse strings. They have to, they face a really big decision this week because, you know, you know, they can gamble and think, well, we can, we probably are kind of, mathematical favourites to finish fourth which would be great and give us the summer we all want but it's risky we're a few big injuries away from from more, more calamity let's be honest we need more depth so do you take the risk now gambling on the fact that you get the Champions League in the summer by potentially investing a little bit more than you you anticipated you would just to bring in those two or three players because I agree that that extra midfield would, could potentially make a difference to, to get us into that top four. So if you manage to, to pay the money to convince someone like Kessier or uh, McKenney at uh, Juventus to, to 
you know, make that jump by just maybe maybe if you have to throw an extra 10 million at, at a club that gamble could be worth paying for that i think you could I, I think you could loan McKenney because he's he's not got like eight months you know six months left on his contract so for for you it's more useful for him to go out and potentially with an option to buy of like 25 million the other lad i would be tempted on i i personally think cassie will stay and if he was mm. to leave i think with all due respect to us, I think he'll go to a bigger club. I think he's that good. But the one who I would go after is Dennis Zachariah at Merchant Gladbach. Mm. Uh, and, and he's a uh, sort of... Uh, he'll, he'll be at Munich, mate. 100% he's going to Munich. Well, but this is, that, that's the thing. It's someone he's, of he's at, nature. Yeah, I know. But he's at a German club that is at Munich and his contract is running out. He'll be at Munich. <laughs> By the time he's, uh, his contract runs out. <laughs> Those are the rules. the rules, Jules. That's just how the algorithm works. You have to appreciate that. Him, Goretzka, Lewandowski. They've also got they they signed just, they sound like the, the the second best keeper in the division, and then they've loaned them out. Such a dick just move. A, <laughs> just a Munich dietitian and the gym. Whoever does their fucking gym sessions, just bring them in. I'll be happy with that. Well, they're, they're just cyborgs. Yeah. Let's be honest. They're <laughs> That's what we need. More cyborgs. That would be great. I put something. I've been quite distracted for like the last five minutes. Because <laughs> Obviously, I put something on Twitter with six minutes to go because uh, we forgot to fucking ask for, for any input for, for many of our, you know, four listeners. Uh, at Cock and Ball underscore pod on Twitter, also on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, got there. Fans just sent us a gift. And I, it, I, it's so random, but it's also... <laughs> I'd have to ask, Jim is obviously our, our journalist uh, host who isn't here this week. We normally rely on him for matters of law. I think it might be libelous. <laughs> to the point where Ash has already done it. Lav off of the fighting cup has completely thrown me in this recording because I've just been <laughs> giggling at what a gift I didn't know existed. And I don't think I can read out for broadcasting reasons. But it's on there. If you look at the reply to the tweet, it's on there. So thank you, Flav. You've, you've ruined me. <laughs> Do we leave it on that note that we've been ruined by a much superior podcaster? He's he's nailed it. Um and I guess Brilliant. that's I guess that is yeah. the story. That is the story. Like Spurs at Chelsea, you've just got to roll over and accept that. <laughs> that, that he's he's the uh the, the shining Z H that compared to our sort of dumbfounded Lloris. And I think on we a go- rather bleak note. Uh, of 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 semi libel. <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> 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 <laughs>